the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Say, but wait a minute. Who wants to suffer? Why, what, what kind of a person was Paul when he says, I long to suffer? What kind of a goal is that? I don't think Paul is saying, I long to suffer. I think what he's saying is, I long to have the results of suffering. The results of suffering. It's not the suffering you want. It's the results of suffering, which is, now watch this, to draw close to Christ. Suffering brings us close to the Savior. When we suffer for righteousness, it drives us to Christ. Why? Because we know that only He understands. We know that He went through this. He knows what we're going through. He knows what it's like to suffer. And the deepest, most intimate fellowship that you can have with Christ is during the times of suffering, isn't it? For many years, I spent part of my summers as a church youth camp counselor and then director. Each camp was unique, but one camp stood out from all the others. A powerful and highly contagious flu bug spread through the camp and almost every camper and counselor became violently ill. We called it Camp Upchuck, and in that week, the counselors bonded like never before or since. Why? Because we suffered together. Not only that, but we persevered and by God's grace overcame tremendous hardship as a family. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is taking us on a guided tour of Philippians chapter 3. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. Now, we at Verse by Verse Ministries are pleased to be able to make his practical messages available to you. Here in chapter 3 of Philippians, the Apostle Paul expressed his three goals. We have already discussed his goals of knowing God and experiencing the power of his resurrection. Today, after a review of Paul's second goal, we will come to his third goal. Why would Paul want to share in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings? And just what does that mean? Here's Pastor Steve to tell us more. There's a second goal that Paul gave, and that is to experience the power of his resurrection. Chapter 3, verse 10, and he says the power of his resurrection. And what does that mean? What does he mean by knowing the power of his resurrection? He knew about Christ's resurrection, didn't he? There's no question about that. He knew the evidence for it. He knew the apostles who witnessed it. He even proclaimed it as an essential part of the gospel. But in his own life, he wanted to experience the resurrection power of Christ. He wanted that power working in his life. In other words, he wanted power to live the Christian life, to obey God, to be holy, to have victory over sin, to have strength to, to do what God wanted him to do. See, the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And, and Paul said, just as the Spirit of God worked in the life of Christ and raised him from the dead, I want the same Spirit of God to work in my life and not raise me from the dead. That's, he's really not talking about the resurrection here. He'll mention that in verse 11. But he said, I want that same power that was demonstrated in the resurrection to be in my life. I want that power. I want, my goal is basically to have strength to be holy. You see, there is no power in the flesh. 
And that's all that Paul had before he knew Christ. There is no power in religion. You know why? A set of rules can't help you to overcome sin, right? Some of you have been there. You have been involved in religious organizations. You have had all kinds of rules laid down, all kinds of legalistic observances. They will never deal with an inward purity and holiness. They'll never give you the power. The law of Moses will never give you the power. The law of Moses only reveals sin. It will not help you to resist sin. So people who carry on religious deeds do so in the power of the flesh. But that power to resist sin is available to those who come to Christ. Paul refers to it as the resurrection power. Why? Because it was in his resurrection that Christ demonstrated the extent of his power over the spiritual realm, over the physical realm. The resurrection power. Paul's goal was to be a victorious believer. Is that your goal? You know, some of us give up. Some of us give up. I, um, I knew a man at Bible college who said, well, I'm never going to be the greatest Christian. And you know what? I thought, that's sad. That's sad. You know what my goal is? One of my goals? Be the greatest Christian that ever lived. Now, that sounds awfully arrogant. I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I want to be the best Christian that has ever lived. Not for my own pride. But that is the goal, that is the goal you ought to have. You know what our goals ought to be? Be perfect. Now, we don't hear that in, in our theological circles because we say, well, who can ever be perfect? But that ought to be the goal, perfect obedience. And if you fall, the next goal, perfect obedience. Well, I fell again, perfect obedience. Our goal is to be obedient, to know the power of the resurrection. And too often we just give up and we say, well, I'll never, I'll never arrive. I'll never be there, so why try? That's not what Paul said. That's not what Paul's attitude was. Paul said, my goal is to, to know, that means to experience the resurrection power to be obedience. Yes, he understood that sin was in his life. Yes, he understood in Romans chapter 7, the good that he wanted to, he didn't always do, and so forth. Yes, he understood the struggle. But his goal, nonetheless, his objective, his ambition was to live a godly life. Yeah, you ought to want to be the best Christian you could be. So Paul's goal is to be victorious not to be defeated by temptation, the trials of life, sin. His goal was holiness, and he longed for God's power to enable him to live a holy life. How can you do that? Well, let me just give you some verses. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in, are in accordance with the workings of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Paul is saying, I want you to, to know and experience that sort of power in your life. It's the same thing he said in Philippians. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. It's a truth reiterated in Scripture. But I want you to understand there is a vital link between knowing Christ intimately, knowing him, and also knowing the power of his resurrection. And that's found in Philippians. We already have covered this. It's really not a separate item. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The reason we obey is because God works in us to do a supernatural work where he gives us the desire and the strength to obey him. 
But listen, you know how he works in us? By the word of God. By the word of God, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's how God gives us strength to obey him. Colossians, just one book over. Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. So that you may walk in a manner, Paul wrote, worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul said, I want you to increase in the knowledge of God. But watch this, verse 11. Strengthen with all power according to his holiness, uh, glorious might rather for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. Paul connects knowing him and, and being strengthened with all power. You can't separate it. As you commune with the Lord, he will give you the strength as the word of God works in your life to obey him so you can't separate holy living from communing with him when you know when you know him intimately it will lead to the second goal of wanting to know the power of his resurrection in fact you'll overcome you'll overcome sin in your life when you know the word of god and it abides in you richly isn't that what john wrote to the young men you have overcome the evil one because the word of god abides in you now, religion can't give you victory over sin, and you need to understand that. So the goal is to know Christ and to be holy, to be holy, and not to give in and say, well, I'll never be like that, so why bother? It's not what Paul said. There's a third goal. The first goal is to know God, which leads to the second goal, which is to experience the power of his resurrection, which leads to the third goal, to know the fellowship of his sufferings. The end of verse 10 says this, and the fellowship of his sufferings, that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. Many of us want to know the Lord in a deep way. You want to live a life of victory over sin. Sure, that's, that's very normal. But how many of us want to know the fellowship of his sufferings? How many of us want to really suffer? Yet it was a goal for Paul. And what does he mean by this phrase? Well, it certainly doesn't mean that Paul wanted to share in Christ's sufferings on the cross. Nobody could ever do that. Only Christ could atone for our sins. But you know what he's talking about? The suffering that Jesus went through in his life. Persecution. Suffering because he lived a righteous life. Suffering because his lifestyle was godly. Because he spoke the truth. Because he lived the truth. He's talking about persecution. This is the suffering that all believers have when they have a godly lifestyle. And that's why the end of verse 10 says this being conformed to his death, being conformed to his death. Now, what does he mean by that? Why would the fellowship of his sufferings conform us to, the, to his death? What does that have to do with each other? Look back at chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 8. He's speaking about the mind of Christ, and he says in verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, it was Christ's commitment and submission to obedience that led to his death. And that's what Paul wants. His goal is to be so obedient to God, so holy, to ex that he would experience the power uh, and strength to obey him so that the world wouldn't tolerate it anymore. In other words, his obedience would lead to suffering. The world would look at his obedience and say, we can't handle it anymore. It's like we said in John 15, the world will hate you because they will see a difference in your life. You see, that's why uh, he said in the verse before this, or the phrase before this, that I may know the power of his resurrection. When you know the power of his resurrection, it's going to lead to a holy life. When you have a holy life, it's going to lead to people persecuting you. It's going to lead to people who will not want you around. And that is what Paul is talking about. That is the same commitment that Jesus had, which ultimately led to his death. He died because he lived for the Father. 
Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.12, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That doesn't mean every day of your life you're going to be a martyr. That doesn't mean that every day of your life you're going to be persecuted, but it does mean that from time to time you will be. If not, then you are not living godly in Christ Jesus. Because to live godly in Christ Jesus is to confront issues. Yes, to be gracious, but to be gracious in a confrontative way. In Galatians 6.17, Paul said, I bear in my body the brand marks of Jesus. Paul said, look, they can't get Jesus anymore. They can't hit him. They already crucified him, so I'm in his place. They're going to hit me. And that's where you and I come in. We're in his place. It's going to hit us. If you're not suffering for him, then your goals are not what he says in verse 10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. It leads to suffering. You say, but wait a minute. Who wants to suffer? Why, what, what kind of a person was Paul? And he says, I long to suffer. What kind of a goal is that? I don't think Paul is saying, I long to suffer. I think what he's saying is, I long to have the results of suffering. The results of suffering. It's not the suffering you want. It's the results of suffering, which is, now watch this, to draw close to Christ. Suffering brings us close to the Savior. When we suffer for righteousness, it drives us to Christ. Why? Because we know that only He understands we know that he went through this. He knows what we're going through. He knows what it's like to suffer. And the deepest, most intimate fellowship that you can have with Christ is during the times of suffering, isn't it? I think that's what Hebrews chapter 4 is about. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, since we have this high priest who understands us, the writer says, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Since Jesus can understand, the writer says, draw close. Draw close. That's what Paul is saying. Our goal is to suffer so that we can understand Jesus better. Not only do you realize he understands you, but in suffering, you understand him better too. You understand what he went through. And not only that, but it brings us closer to him. And I said before, the deepest, most intimate, special kinds of fellowship is when you're suffering. Precious. And Paul wanted to suffer so he could have a deep fellowship with Christ. Where do you go when you suffer? Who do you go to when you, when you suffer? How do you handle your sufferings? Uh, some people go to the bottle. That's the way they handle their sufferings. Nobody understands, so I'll drink my problems away. Other people now go to drugs. It's becoming epidemic in our world. It just indicates that there's a lot of suffering out there. See, the question is not uh, if you're going to suffer, it's when and how. Some people go to drugs because they're suffering. Others go to the mall, quite frankly. Some go to the mall. Get away from it all. Get that credit card out and just kind of have a buying spree. Others sleep. Some people handle suffering by sleep. Just sort of sleep their problems away. Paul said, I want the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to suffer so that I could fellowship with Christ. That's what Paul wanted. And that's what you and I need to have, that same attitude. That when we suffer, not if, when we suffer, it drives us to Jesus. Not to bitterness, not to problems. Our goal should be fellowship with Christ. So now, we all know that goals are important in the Christian life. We know that goals are important in life. But why are these specifically important? Why? Well, verse 11 
gives us the answer. In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, at first glance, this verse looks like Paul is saying he has some doubt about whether he's going to be resurrected or not. Well, he says, I want to do these things so that I could attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's really a work salvation, and Paul is certainly not teaching that, not in a passage especially dealing with the contrast between religion and faith. He's not saying that at all. Secondly, he's not saying that he doesn't know if he's going to make the resurrection or not. He's not saying that. And how do we know that? Because that would contradict everything else he ever said. I mean, that ought to give you a clue right there. In 1 Corinthians 15, he spoke with authority about the resurrection. In Philippians chapter 1, he said to die is gain. I mean, to, dying is not gain if, you're, if you don't have the hope of being with Christ when you die. In Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21, he will speak as we'll study about being transformed. So he's not, there's no doubt about that. So watch this. What, what is the saying? The verse doesn't reflect any doubt concerning the resurrection on Paul's part. However, there is some uncertainty on Paul's part as to whether he would be alive when Christ came or whether he would die and be resurrected. That is to say that Paul didn't know whether he would be alive and raptured or whether he would die and be resurrected. He did not know. He certainly knew about the rapture, and that is the, what we call the rapture or the translation of the church just before the seven-year tribulation period. Paul is saying, I don't know if I'm going to be alive at that point. I don't know if I'm going up alive or I'm going to die, and then God will give me a new resurrected body and raise me from the grave. He didn't know that. He knew one or the other, but he didn't know that. You see, let me explain. The word that's translated in verse 11, resurrection, and, and this is not an easy verse to interpret, but the word that's translated resurrection is not the usual word for resurrection. It is only uh, mentioned in this verse. That is the only place in the New Testament. It is a unique, unique word, and it means literally out-resurrection. Not just resurrection, but out-resurrection. So let me give you a literal translation of verse 11. If perhaps I may arrive at the out-resurrection from the dead. That's, the, that's a literal translation. If perhaps I may arrive at the out-resurrection from the dead. In other words, Paul's not doubting that he was going to be with Christ, but he wasn't certain if he would be raptured or die first and be resurrected. The out-resurrection, he most likely means the rapture. Now, what's the point? What's the point of saying this? If Paul was still alive at the rapture of the church, then Paul wanted these goals to be a reality in his life. In other words, he's saying, when I see Christ, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. If Jesus should come for me today, I want to be ready. I want to be living in such a way that I'm getting to know Christ better every day, that I am experiencing the power of his resurrection every day, overcoming sin and temptation. And I want to be ready by the fact that I'm drawing close to him in my sufferings. That's what he's saying. What, what he is really saying is the, the hope of being with Christ purifies him and it causes him to go back to these goals why are these goals important? Because this is what the Christian life is about. This is what it really is. Knowing him, having victory over sin, drawing close to him and dependence upon him. And you know what? What he is really saying is this is so different from religion. Religion may have goals, but they're, it's man-centered goals. These goals are God-centered, and that's why we don't have a whole lot of success with them. Because we are uh, man-centered we are, we are people who are set on accomplishing something, something that's tangible, something we can see. But these are the spiritual goals of a maturing Christian. What are your goals? What are your goals? This probably would have been more appropriate for New Year's Day. 
But uh, that's when we think of goals. But goals are good anytime. What are your goals? Succeed in business? To be a great success in business? God says the goal ought to be to, to know me. Be a success with me. A lot of sales this year. That's where many of us are at. And that's all. And, and you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if that's where it stops for a Christian, then you've kind of missed it. You're living a pretty shallow life. There's no difference between you and the guy next door who doesn't know the Lord. Sales. Are you aimlessly going through the Christian life? Do you not know even what ministry you ought to be in? There are some Christians, I told you, they're so active in church work, they don't know what ministry they ought to be in. They don't know where they're going. It's like that guy who got in the cab and said, drive fast. Just didn't know where. And set your sights on these three goals and do everything in light of these goals. Put everything under this. Religion could never give you this. Never. But Christ can. Father, may that song be really the desire of our hearts. For those here, Lord, who may have never even met Christ, we pray that you'll draw them to yourself, that they would understand that salvation is by trusting Jesus Christ, recognizing that he died for us. Lord, make that clear, make that plain. Use your word to bring them to yourself. And Father, I pray for we who have met the Savior that our goals will be this, that, that these truths will not leave us but will be the heartbeat of our lives. Even as, even as David said, as the heart pants after the water brook, so our souls pants after you. Lord, transform us and help us to have these goals. And oh, we're grateful for deliverance from religion and for the privilege of knowing Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the Lord help us all to pant after him like a thirsty deer headed for water. Make it your goal, if you haven't already, to know Christ better, to experience the power of His resurrection in your life, and even to share in the fellowship of His suffering. Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue this series from Philippians chapter 3 in our next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 27 years as the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported by interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Pastor Steve is planning a trip to Israel this coming May, and you are invited to join him. Here he is to tell you more about it. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse here on WTBM. I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity to join me on a trip to Israel I'll be leading this May. We'll be visiting those sites in Israel where Jesus ministered, such places as Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee, the Mount of Beatitudes, the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem, and, and so many more sites. If you're interested in learning more about this tour, then you can call the following number and ask for more information. The number is 877-768-2784, extension one. One one. That's eight seven 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 six eight two seven eight four. Extension one one one. The tour dates are May fifth through the fourteenth. I hope you can join us. One more time. That number is eight seven 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 six eight two seven eight four. Extension one one one. Will you pray about joining Pastor Steve for that special learning adventure? Today's class was the conclusion of a three-part message. 
If you would like to hear the entire sermon, it's available on CD or cassette. To order one, call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. You can visit us there to hear today's broadcast again or to make up any classes that you might have missed. We also offer a complimentary newsletter and a free podcasting service. Both are available at the website, versebyverseradio.org. NASA launched Pioneer 10 in 1972. With an expected lifespan of three years and only an 8-watt transmitter, about as powerful as a nightlight, Pioneer was intended to photograph Jupiter. 25 years later in 1997, Pioneer has done that and gone on to sail past Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and beyond Pluto, still transmitting data. It's like that when we offer ourselves to the Lord. He can even use someone with eight watt abilities, but not someone who quits. Join us for the next verse by verse, and we will see together how Paul pressed on in order to attain his goals. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.